Welcome to Very Bad Words, the podcast about swearing. I'm your host, Matt Fiddler. I am Rupert Ortiz, and I am the founder of the Food Tour Company in Santa Fe. Rupert is gay, happily married, and before he started the Food Tour Company, he worked for an apartment complex. This lady had come in with her husband and her children, and they wanted to look in an apartment, and as part of our procedure, we asked for an ID from everybody over 18. And for whatever reason, the husband wouldn't show his ID. The woman said the complex didn't need to see her husband's ID because he wasn't applying for the apartment. Rupert said, sorry, but everyone who's over 18 is required to show their ID or I can't show you the apartment. And she just would not take that as an answer. So I said, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to tour you until I get both IDs. So she got upset and walking out the door and she called me a faggot. And she walked out, and, and I was thinking, God, I was just called a faggot. And it was very, very real to me, and and it hurt. I mean, it really stung. It, it, it was terrible hearing that. And then I think the main part was to see her children laughing at it, and she encouraged it. And I teared up a little bit because it was derogatory, and it made me feel gross and yuck inside. And it felt like an eternity that I stood there in, in shock. But, you know, in reality, it was, it was probably less than a minute. He'd been out and proud for years and never called that word before. But when it happened, it really hurt because he knows that there's a history with this word. I I think that word was used a lot in a derogatory manner in all these demonstrations and things like that, that people would call gay men, you know, at all these events and, and things like that, they would, you know, holler out faggot and hold signs that say faggots are going to hell and all this kind of stuff. That's the same kind of look that I had when I was called a faggot, you know, so many decades later, it still has that same sting and that same hurt that it did, you know, so many years ago. In this episode of Very Bad Words, we look into the powerful homophobic slur that, whenever possible, we're going to call the F.A. word. Welcome to Very Bad Words. I'm Matt Fiddler. So, yes, this is definitely the worst word that we've ever tried to cover on this show. It's a word to me that has no real redeeming qualities. So I'm going to refer to it as the F.A. word whenever possible. But I asked my guest to speak frankly, and they're going to use this word in our interviews, although never in a hateful way. I'm also not interviewing any homophobes for this episode. I'm just not interested in what they think. So all I'm saying is that, as usual, I'm not doing this show to shock or offend but to look into the history of this word. I'm not advocating for anything, just trying to show what I've learned from our show's collective research about the F.A. word. I know a lot of people have different opinions, so I'm not going to say what is wrong or what is right, and I'm going to try to be as sensitive as possible around this subject without pussyfooting around the details. That being said, later in the episode, we're going to hear from a gay rights activist, Dan Savage, who talks very frankly about this word. And even though he's gay and has done amazing things for the LGBT community, not everyone agrees with his approach to things. But he has some very interesting things to say about this word. I remember being stung by sissy and stung by faggot when I was implicated in a way where I I realized that, you know, these insults that I had shrugged off or, or 
told people that they were wrong, that they were actually right, that I was a faggot, that I was a sissy, that I was a homo. Dan will be on the show a little later to talk about his feelings and the work he's done around the F.A. word. But first, posing a question on behalf of all of us straight people is one of the biggest comedians in the business today, Louis C.K. You're the only gay comic I know. Do you think I shouldn't be using that word on stage? Okay, so I didn't interview Louis C.K. for the show. This is from the old FX show Louis, starring Louis C.K. And this scene was one of the inspirations for Very Bad Words. It's from the first season when Louis was sitting around a poker table with other real-life comedians joking around, fucking with each other like comedians often do. And after a series of gay jokes using the word faggot, the gay comedian at the table, Rick Crumb, gives us an etymology lesson. I think you should use whatever words you want. But are you interested to know what it might mean to, to gay men? Yeah, I am interested. Well, the word faggot really means a bundle of sticks used for kindling in a fire. Now, in the Middle Ages, when they used to burn people they thought were witches, they used to burn homosexuals, too. And they used to burn the witches at a stake, but they thought the homosexuals were too low and disgusting to be given a stake to be burned on. So they used to just throw them in with the kindling, with the other faggots. So that's how you get flaming faggot. I thought, holy crap, that's a powerful story. And are there other backstories to taboo words like this? And yada, yada, yada. Very bad words is born. And now, finally, I'm getting around to this particular word. And I had to know if this story from the show Louie had any merit to it. No, not a bit. Um, it's, it's probably one of the most common uh, folk etymologies or, or false etymologies. It's not the case for uh, a few reasons. That is Mark Stephen Martin. Mark has been an English professor and a radio host for the Canadian Broadcast Company, but I invited him on the show because of a book he wrote called Dirty Words, The Story of Sex Talk, where in one of the chapters, he explains how the word faggot went from meaning a bundle of sticks to meaning a gay man. But first, I'll let him explain why he knows the story told on the show Louis isn't quite right. The word faggot has existed in English for many, many centuries, of course, with the meaning of a bundle of wood or a bundle of sticks. But it actually didn't acquire the meaning of, you know, a, a homosexual uh, man until about 1912 or so. So that would be long after people were being burned at the stake in England. And although homosexuality was a crime in, uh, you know, early modern England, like the 16th century, it actually wasn't prosecuted uh, as much as one might think. And when men were prosecuted for it, the recommended style of execution was hanging, not burning. Burning tended to be used for, for heretics. Um, so there's really no way that uh, the idea of a, a bundle of sticks and being burned on them uh, gave rise to the homosexual sense of, of faggot. Okay, so where did it come from? Well, what happened is um, the bundle of sticks came to be associated with a particular kind of person, and that kind of person was actually elderly women. Um, they came to be associated with these faggots, these bundles of sticks, because elderly women, when they became widowed, uh, they had very few career options or job options. One of the few things that they were able to do was go into the forest and gather sticks and they'd create a big bundle of it. They'd put it on their back and then they'd haul it back to town and, and sell it to people. Those women came to be known as faggot gatherers. And in fact, there's a, um, 
there's a painting by Millet from about 18, I think it's 1857, called The Faggot Gatherer's Return from the Forest. And it depicts a, a number of women, you know, bent over double almost with these big bundles. So then what happened was that um, the notion of a faggot gatherer being an elderly, frail woman was transferred to homosexual men, kind of in the way that um, other feminine names or labels often have been transferred to homosexual men like names like nancy and madge um things like that uh, over over the centuries have been used in that regard so that's how faggot gatherer became attached to first old women and then to homosexual men and shortened to faggot and then even later in, in the 1920s to just fag and of course, we need to remember that in England, a fag is a cigarette, which came much earlier than the homosexual meaning, suggesting that it came directly from the bundle of sticks meaning, perhaps because they were sticks on fire? Well, uh, I, I think it's more that um, the tobacco was seen as, as little sticks, that uh, like a bundle of little sticks, a bundle of tobacco that uh, was, was burnt. So fag is a smaller word, and same with cigarettes, they're smaller sticks. And even though the word fag, meaning cigarette, is more of a neutral word, faggot gatherer was always an insult. Yeah, uh, in the same way that, let's say the word slut, which um, originally just meant a particular kind of servant who uh, did the most menial of tasks, like you'd have a kitchen slut, for example. Um, and it didn't have any sexual sense originally, but it still meant, you know, it, it, it was an insulting thing to be called a slut even before it came to be associated with promiscuity. And as usual, the sound of the word contributes to its negative power. You know, the, the sound of words does impact uh, how we use them, and it does even contribute to whether they persist in the English language or not. I think um, Louis C.K. has a, a bit in one of his stand-up routines where he talks about the sound of faggot and how you can you can say it with such hatred, you know, Partly it's because it's two syllables. It starts with this, um, let's see, what would it be? A labial fricative, you know, the F sound. And then you've got the, the hard G in the middle and another hard sound at the end, the T. So you can just say faggot, you know. And it's the kind of thing that you can, you know, you could say to somebody from a distance in a, in a very insulting way, in a way that you couldn't do that with some other words that have meant um, homosexual, like... Um, I don't know, um, poof was one that appeared around the early 20th century. You know, if, if, if uh, a hateful person were to shout that at somebody on a street, I don't think it would have the same uh, impact, the, the same vocal impact as the word faggot. And it got me thinking, that is a really strong, hateful sounding word. But I don't remember it having that unadulterated hate sound when I was growing up back in the 1980s when it was used a lot more. I don't see too many faggots in Philly, you know. Out in L.A., Manhattan, you got them all over the place. I did die jokes about homosexuals about a couple years ago, and faggots were mad. They were like, and they were, there's nothing like having a nation of fags looking for you. Whoa. That was from Eddie Murphy Raw, a really popular comedy special when I was a kid. Before that was Andrew Dice Clay, who's always been unapologetically offensive. And the song was Money for Nothing by The Dire Straits. Mark Knopfler, who writes all the songs for The Dire Straits, now says he regrets putting that word in this song. 
So good for him for owning up to it because that shit would never fly today. And I don't think this is some PC bullshit either because as I often say, words have meanings and they affect the way we think. I do think it's sort of a um, like a symbiotic or or circular recursive. That's probably the best word, a recursive relationship because um, what we think influences our word choices and our word choices in turn uh, eventually influence what we think. Which is the purpose of trying to reclaim words, just like what the LGBT community did with the word queer. So if that sort of cycle can can be started, that's when, you know, a word like queer uh, can really be reclaimed. Um, the, the word changes our thinking, our thinking changes the word back and forth like that. And this worked really well for the word queer. I mean, queer used to be that word that a gay person would hear while he was being beaten up. But now the word queer is just a term for anyone who isn't heterosexual. I can say it without offending anyone. It's uttered by activists, newscasters, politicians, and it's no big deal. So what I was wondering was, how does this kind of thing happen? And could the same thing be done for the F.A. word? Well, I think the first step always has to be for the for the oppressed group to figure out how it's going to respond to the oppressors. And I think there's two ways they can do that. One is to sort of adopt the, the language of the oppressors so that they can fight back with the, the same tools, so to speak, or the other alternative is for them to devise, you know, a, a kind of new language or, or a totally new approach so that they're not risking the, the possibility of co-opting themselves by using the, the language and strategies of the oppressor. If it were to happen with the word faggot, there'd have to be a, a felt need to reclaim that word. But for the most part, I think, I, I don't sense in our culture that that need is, is there with that particular word at this moment. And my next guest would agree, not at this moment. Because that moment happened over 20 years ago. It was a thing called Queer Nation. Queer Nation was a thing. And there was this very active push in the wake of the activism around uh, HIV AIDS to embrace uh, the hate terms, to, to use them ourselves, to drain them of their power. You know, you can't insult me by calling me a faggot if I'm calling myself a faggot. And my friends call me faggot. You know, you're, you're going to call me a faggot just like my friends do? Okay, I guess you're one of my friends then? That's Dan Savage. He co-founded the It Gets Better campaign, has a sex and love advice column called Savage Love, and a podcast called The Savage Love Cast. And he thinks the word faggot has already been reclaimed because he was involved with that process with the Queer Nation movement. And Queer Nation was very aggressive about queer, dyke, faggot, sissy, tranny, which is now a word you're not allowed to use anymore, and I'm not using it, I'm citing it, uh... And reclaiming these words. And the most, you know, the best example of the of the triumph of this reclamation is the word queer, which is, you know, LGBTQ. Some people think the Q is for questioning. Some people think it's for queer. There's a lot of queer rights organizations. People talk about the queer rights movement. People identify as queer. And for older generations, gay, lesbian people, often in their 60s and 70s, they're just mortally offended by the use of the word queer. And you talk to gay people in their 20s uh, and 30s, and they have no idea that queer was ever even really an insult. So Dan thought it was a good thing to reclaim the word by using it regularly in his sex and love advice column. He didn't use it as an attack on people, of course, but he asked people writing into the column to address him with, hey, faggot. The first, like, seven or eight years of Savage Love, every letter began with the salutation, hey, faggot. Every letter began, hey, faggot, and then they asked the question. And that grew out of, uh, you know, my 
sort of involvement in ACT UP and coordination with the idea that reclamation, ultimately, you had to allow straight people to use these words, too. Because the change they were looking for was ultimately from straight people wanting to eliminate verbal assaults from words like this. So the thinking around this was make it a more neutral word. So by using it as a salutation, it was just another word to refer to a gay man. And I implicitly gave permission to straight people to use that word. And my column for the first seven or eight years demonstrated that intent makes a word hateful, not uh, a certain string of letters. Because I would get questions, you know, addressed to Hey Faggot from people who loved me and loved my column and wanted my advice and were very kind of respectful and, and sometimes, you know, would heap praise on me and, and obviously were for me and straight and, you, and said, hey, faggot at the top of their letter. And then you'd get letters from people saying, hey, faggot, that were full of uh, invective and bile and, and, and hatred. And I would run those too. And it just showed that it depends on whose mouth that word is in, that, that hate is intent, not two syllables. But after years of using the phrase to address him, Dan ultimately put it to a stop in 1999 because the queer nation movement was over and many younger people weren't even aware of it anymore. It seemed jarring in a way in 1999 that it wasn't in 1990. And I dropped it. That I still use faggot in the column. I still use queer and dyke and sissy uh, and breeder every once in a while, which is our little hate term for straight people or a little term of affection, acknowledgement of your utility. We depend on straight people to make the queer people. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to learn how this word's usage has evolved from gay people to the show South Park. So they're still weaponizing homophobia in their use of that word in in South Park. Still fucking hilarious, and I don't have a problem with it. Stay with us. Welcome back to Very Bad Words. I'm Matt Fiddler. In the first half of the show, we looked into the possibility of the F.A. word being reclaimed, taking away the hateful power of it. At first, it seemed unlikely, but Dan thinks it is reclaimed, not because there's no negative connotations to it anymore, especially from homophobes, but because it's now used by many gay people in a similar way that the N-word is used by some black people. You know, if somebody screams that the N-word at you from a passing car, some fucking cracker-ass motherfucker, it means something else and is an insult and a threat uh, and could be jarring and scarring. But, uh, you know, a friend can use the N-word, usually with the A at the end, in a way that isn't uh, – that, that, that signals in-group belonging and, and affection and also acknowledging the oppression that you guys all have to shoulder every day and, and then kind of exploding it. And I think the use of faggot is very similar in – Gay male communities, its use is very similar. I'm not equating the gay male experience with the African-American experience or equating the oppressions uh, uh, between those two groups. And there's overlap between those two groups because there's certainly gay uh, people who are African-American. But uh, the usage, I I think, is very similar in the way it's used and and the way it's used affectionately. But that affection comes bundled with an acknowledgement of our shared experience of oppression. And not just out of affection, but Dan says because of the power and the history of this word, that it's sometimes used as a word of eroticism, as a way of dabbling in the tabooness of the word. It's crazy how this word that you, that gets thrown at you, uh, that you disavow and deny, you know, before you're out of the closet or even shortly after out of the closet becomes for many gay men, uh, in-group lingo. You know, I was just at 
the Folsom Street Fair in San Francisco and uh, ran into a friend who's uh, a great guy, a, a bodybuilder, all muscles, but kind of effeminate and has kind of a, an effeminate voice and was tortured for that reason all through grade school and high school. And he walked up to me and gave each other a big hug and I pulled back and he's wearing a t-shirt with the word faggot on it. <laughs> and he's embraced it and, and embraced the insult and, 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 and kind of identifies as a faggot and, and loves the word now. And here's where it really differs from the N-word and other racial slurs. While the word was meant to demean gay people, it's often an insult thrown at straight people. Very effectively, I might add. I mean, you can't yell most racial slurs at people who don't identify with being that race. But with the F.A. word, okay, I'm not a super macho guy myself, and I've been called faggot before because I play music. I'm creative. I don't get into fights, and I'm not really good at sports. Yeah, that's the that's the terror of, the, of being the straight guy. To to straight guys are really vulnerable. You know, I can talk about how I slept with girls in my teens, and nobody looks at me and says, "You're not gay, are you? You're not really gay. You're one of those breeders, aren't you?" But if you're a straight guy who messed around with another boy at some point in your life in college, drunken escapade, if you tell anyone about that, people are going to never again believe that you're really straight. And and heterosexual identity for males is much more fragile than homosexual identity. You know, my homosexual bona fides are rock fucking solid, unquestionable. It doesn't matter that I had sex with girls. Uh, it doesn't matter that in some ways I'm typically masculine. Uh, nobody looks at the ways in which I'm typically masculine and, and goes, ah, you can't really be gay. Look at that. But if you're a straight guy and in some ways you're atypically masculine or maybe in some ways you're feminine, uh, you will be questioned. You will be scrutinized. I will get letters from your girlfriend asking me to tell to reassure her that you're not gay. <laughs> doesn't matter how many times you go down on her. Doesn't matter how many orgasms you give her with your face pressed into her pussy. If you like having your nipples played with, if you like a finger in your butt, if you like musical theater, if you don't like football, uh, your girlfriend is going to send me a question. Your girlfriend is going to write me asking, uh, worried that you might be gay. And I don't get those questions from gay guys. I don't get those questions from uh, gay men's boyfriends worried that their boyfriends are secretly straight. And that's what made South Park's episode on this word so interesting. They weren't trying to reclaim the word, but reappropriate the word to mean those groups of obnoxious bikers. Yeah, who rumble into town and rev their engines and act like assholes. Uh, you know, I thought that episode was really funny. Um, you guys know that everyone thinks you're total fags, right? You know, when people like you drive down the streets with your unnecessarily loud motorcycles thinking you're all cool, everyone is actually laughing at you and calling you pathetic faggots. You do realize this, right? That, that little boy just called us fags. But what they're showing is like the, the discomfort of these guys. Like I don't think South Park is that is homophobic. I think it acknowledges that homophobia is a thing that exists, uh, and that what they show in the use of faggot uh, attached to these big, rough, tough, macho uh, bikers is kind of what we talked about earlier: how vulnerable their masculinity is, and how fragile it is, and, and their terror at being associated with the gay thing. But does that have the opposite of effect of? of reclaiming that word if you're making that it's still an it's still making it a very negative term yeah it probably does have the opposite effect of reclaiming it but it also was just a joke on uh one episode of south park and it didn't take people don't uh run up to big burly men manly men on motorcycles and call them faggots because of that episode and of course south park is over the top irreverent and they like to offend everyone but 
I don't really think it did a good job of disarming the word or changing its meaning, really, because it was still being used in this kind of emasculating way, which I think is still a nod to its homophobic meaning. But anyone can still use this word negatively. Dan says that sometimes gay people will use this word to judge other gay people as well. But ultimately, this word is, like so many taboo words, about solidarity within a group. Using a word like this says, hey, I know what you've been through. I've been there too. You're amongst your peers. The best use of it and the use certainly that my friends and I use is just this term of uh, affection, this in-group term of affection, endearment, acknowledgement. Um, and this term that acknowledges, you know, the, the hard road that many of us have walked to get to this place where this word that we ran from and that scared us and scarred us when we were 13 or 14 or 15 years old is a word we're not afraid of anymore because we're not afraid of being perceived to be gay anymore because we're out and gay now. So what do you think? This was our first attempt at covering a slur like this on the show. Is this something you'd like to hear more of? I really want to know. So come by, like the Very Bad Words Facebook page, and strike up a conversation. I check it daily and respond to all the comments myself. I hope you've been enjoying the show. This was the last episode of the season, but we're going to continue to make short mini-casts every other week while we drum up a new batch of shows that will launch in late winter. In the meantime, you can listen to all 12 full-length episodes and 10 mini-casts at iTunes at our website, verybadwords.com. Thanks to my guests, Rupert Ortiz, Mark Stephen Morton, and Dan Savage. I got special help from producer Stephanie Billman and executive producer Jill Fincher on this episode. I'm Matt Fiddler, and this has been Very Bad Words. Very Bad Words.